deception in the church is heavy on women mm. than men because they are pastors and preachers and teachers who have realized that the idea is just to get a woman emotionally attached to his ministry and he's got a crowd following they don't care whether they believe what he teaches or not they just love him they like him that's our man that's our teacher we we love his ministry and as a result the doctrinal aspect is thrown out why because the emotional element of the woman seems to drive her stronger than the Welcome to Imago Day, a podcast by women for women, where we discuss what it means to be an image bearer. We seek to apply biblical wisdom to everyday life situations for our growth and glorification of God. Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, Imago Day. It's good to have you back. Today we have a guest speaker, but before we get into introducing our guest speaker, I'll just find out how both the guest speaker and Auntie Miriam are doing today. Auntie Miriam, how are you? I'm fine, and how are you, Chumaway? Very fine, um, thank you. Welcome, Pastor, to our podcast this morning. We want to ask you to say something about yourself. All right, thank you very much. I thought I had... Uh, Chimamwe said that she's hiding the the guest speaker, <laughs> but now you've already let it loose. Okay, fine, that's good. Uh, I'm fine, thank you, and I take it uh, as a great privilege to have be, to be brought to this podcast and be part of what you are doing. Thank you very much. Um, so today we'll be looking at the topic of doctrine, and just before we delve right into um, the topic, we just want to know a bit more about you, Pastor. Okay. I know there are some listeners who do not know you, do not know when you became a Christian, and just, just a brief background of who you are, so that they just have an understanding of that. All right, thank you. Um, well, basically, first of all, my names are Saidi Francis Chishimba. Um, I, I am a Zambian. <laughs> I am married, and uh, the Lord has blessed us with three daughters. Mm. I, I became a Christian, or the Lord saved my soul, when I was about uh, between the age of 13 and 15, I was in my primary school when I was exposed to God's word. Mm -hmm. A cousin of ours came to live with us. Uh, he was a Christian and uh, very zealous about the things of God. So he started sharing the gospel to me and my brothers. Uh, but uh, the Lord gripped my heart. I think I was in grade six, going grade seven. I had the opportunity to read a tract that he had left on my bed. Mm. And uh, after reading the tract, I realized I was a sinner deserving of hell. I sought the Lord in prayer. And uh, from that moment, I believed he had saved my soul. Mm. When I went to grade eight, I was exposed to particular teachings of God's truth. Uh, having started my Christian faith from the African Methodist Church, I, in a short while, was exposed to Baptist theology. I started visiting Kawata Baptists. I started borrowing materials, reading. And before long, when I was now in college, I decided to change churches and I moved to a Baptist church. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I became a member of uh, Faith Baptist Church in 1997. And uh, it was right at Faith Baptist Church in Kitwe that the Lord increased his weight of calling me into pastoral work. And so by the time I was uh, 27, I was sure God had called me to be a pastor. Uh, Faith Baptist Church had an opening for a youth pastor. And so they asked if I would be a, pastor, a youth pastor. It was quite a big demand on me. Mm. I was only 27 and I'd not had any theological training, just merely a youth leader or chairman. And so I thought the weight was quite heavy on me, but the Lord gave guidance. So mm. three months after we got married, I told my wife, it is time to go into full-time ministry. And in 2001, December, the church ordained me as a youth pastor. That's, that's such a beautiful story to listen. How um, at the age of 13, you became a Christian to, you know, one day becoming a whole church pastor. That's that's mm. it's very, very nice to, Thank you. to hear. Like uh, Chimamu had introduced, we are looking at doctrine. Um, how does pastor, pastor to tell us exactly what is doctrine? We always hear we should know our doctrine. Mm. Mm. What is doctrine? Well, that's a very good uh, uh, question and it's a very good topic. Um, the word doctrine is, is, uh, is always... I, I remember the first time I was uh, part of a Baptist church in Kafue. Mm. We had a pastor that came. I was, I was just a student in secondary school. And uh, this pastor said, we, we are living in a time when we should do away with doctrine and just focus on worship. Oh, wow. Huh. Okay, so <laughs> as a young boy and as a young Christian, I didn't know what he meant, but it didn't settle well to my ears. Mm. I struggled to believe him. But I had no reason to believe him or not to believe him. But that statement just didn't fit well with what I had known in my young Christian life. But the truth is, doctrine is something that the church cannot do away with. Because doctrine is simply a belief or a system of beliefs uh, that is accepted and is authoritative, either to a group of people, to a, a, a... a religious organization or a religious understanding in our context to the church, the Christendom, to the denomination, to a local church. So when we use the word doctrine, we basically are identifying a system of beliefs that we have said these are authoritative Mm -hmm. to our existence, our koinonia, which is our fellowship, Mm -hmm. and our commonality as we come together as a body of Christ. So that is the word in abstract doctrine. But when we lock it down to the Christian faith, what we're simply saying by the word doctrine is the extracted system of belief that is communicated to us from the Bible. That we say the Bible teaches the following things. And the following things make up our system of belief as the Christian family, Mm. later on a local church. And those teachings are what we hold to, believe, and also understand, and later on interpret and practice. That is the whole idea of this word doctrine. 
And so from that context, it becomes very essential for a Christian. Mm. Uh, we cannot be doctrineless. Mm. Because once a church is doctrineless, it ceases to be a church. Mm. Once an organization is doctrineless, it ceases to be an organization because the system of belief that is structured as their authority is demolished. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say for a start is doctrine. So if if I had to simplify it for you, I would say it is a teaching that we, for example, our church, we have the scriptures, mm -hmm. what the Bible teaches. We take that, that that is our doctrine. Mm -hmm. So for, for, for women, we tend to think we're trying to make it as simple as possible because at times when we hear the word doctrine, we are so scared. We're thinking maybe it's something else. Mm. And yet it is as simple as you have put it, that doctrine is what holds us together, what we believe in mm. as a community, as a church, as a body of Christ. So we have the doctrines that, um, for example, the Bible. Mm -hmm. Can we say the Bible is what we use, I can call that a doctrine that I'm learning from, because everybody uses a Bible as well. Yeah. yeah, well, that's true. Um, just to put it in, in another way, mm -hmm. the Bible is the fundamental resource mm -hmm. of our doctrine. Okay. okay. The Bible in itself is the whole shell of our belief system. Mm. So we have come up with a certain belief system mm -hmm. that is held and written down for us in the Bible. Basically, in theology, we have systems of theology. So for example, there is biblical theology. Biblical theology simply means understanding the Bible the way it's written in terms of time chronologically from one period of time to another and how those teachings and beliefs were articulated and taught over time in the bible hmm. there is also what we call systematic theology systematic theology is an extraction of statements in the bible and allocating them under one topic and then concluding that the bible says this about this topic so when we are talking of doctrine, we are usually not making reference to biblical theology. Majority of the time, we're making reference to systematic mm -hmm. theology. So, for example, the question is, what do we believe about God? Mm -hmm. Okay. So our doctrine or our teaching is that from the Bible, we believe that God exists. Mm -hmm. He is the final authority. Mm -hmm. He is the creator and maker. Mm -hmm. He exists in three persons. Mm -hmm. Not three gods, one God in three persons. Mm -hmm. And in that Godhead, those three persons or personas are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in a basic way, we would say our belief or our doctrine on the person of God is those things are vitamized. Okay, so we can now expand it further. And we say, what is our doctrine on those personas in the Godhead? Mm -hmm. What do we believe about God the Father? Mm 
What do we believe about God the Son? What do we believe about God the Holy Spirit? And it is those doctrines that we articulate and say, okay, we believe that the Father is the first person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. We believe that the Father is the planner of redemption. So we can come to the Son and we say, we believe that the Son is the second person of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. He is the one who, um, who does the work of redemption. Mm-hmm. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is the one who applies the work of redemption on a soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would be the doctrine of the three personages. Mm-hmm. So we can pick on another topic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for example, uh, we know that some people soon will be getting married. Mm-hmm. So we ask the question <laughs> and say, what is the doctrine of marriage oh. in our church? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we believe in the fact that it has to be between male and female. Mm-hmm. We believe that the one who set forth the whole plan and agenda of marriage was God. Mm-hmm. We believe that marriage is a covenantal agreement and not a contractual. Mm-hmm. We believe that marriage is permanent. Okay, So we can articulate all those, and that would be the doctrine of mm-hmm. marriage. And this is what we believe. Yeah. So basically all those belief systems or belief elements that build up into this system are an extraction from the Bible. Mm. And so the Bible becomes the fundamental resource of what we believe. Mm. Okay. And that's why Paul told Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy, should be chapter 3, verse 15, um, he reminds and says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, meaning the church, which is the church of the living God. What is the church? It's a pillar and buttress of the truth. Mm-hmm. Meaning it has been given the authority to hold God's truth, to preserve it and to teach it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why the church, our resource as Christians, is the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I think you've, you've broken down um, the definition of doctrine very very well and very um it's been made very simple and easy to understand um i think it's important for us to also understand what the importance of you know doctrine is the importance of these beliefs Mm -hmm. what is the importance of doctrine yeah i think um doctrine shapes us Mm -hmm. doctrine defines us and doctrine actually uh, helps us know exactly who we are. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier on, uh, we can't have a doctrineless church. Mm-hmm. Neither should we have a doctrineless Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we have people who reject doctrine, then they turn Christianity, and I'm speaking from the Christian perspective, mm-hmm. okay. they turn Christianity into anything that you can dream of mm-hmm. and then label it Christian. Okay, So the power and importance of doctrine is to align with what God says. Mm -hmm. Because God, in his word, he has said, this is how I want those who follow me to be. Mm -hmm. We come in a time where man establishes his own doctrines. Mm -hmm. And so he believes that God should be like this, and therefore he begins to operate with his own doctrine. The truth about that is that then you stop worshiping the God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. You create your own God. Mm 
And that's why, again, Paul was very, very uh, categorical when he told Timothy in, um, it should be in Second Timothy, let me just turn there. He, he told Timothy in chapter 4, verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so man is able to come up with his own doctrine mm-hmm. to satisfy himself. Mm-hmm. But then he emphasizes and says, as for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of evangelism, and fulfill your ministry. In another place, he says, do not neglect the gift which was given to you by the prophecy and the counsel of the elders. He says, keep close to, or keep close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, meaning the doctrine, mm-hmm. persist in it. Here's the importance. Mm-hmm. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the importance is that it helps you and teaches you to remain aligned to who God is mm-hmm. and what he says his followers must be. Mm-hmm. I heard you read uh, the first verse in Timothy when you when you spoke about sound doctrine. Um, how is someone supposed to distinguish, you know, what sound doctrine and unsound doctrine is? Seeing as you know, there will be preachers and teachers who will be um, sharing a message which people want to hear. Mm-hmm. So you know, how how can a listener who's not sure what is sound and unsound be able to distinguish the two? Yeah. Um, I think the the distinguishing mark is what the Bible says. Mm. Um, Here is the point. Basically and fundamentally, we've agreed and established that the resource is the Bible. Mm -hmm. In history, the Christian faith has always made effort both to preserve and help articulate the doctrinal teaching of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So they've had certain instruments that they've used. Mm -hmm. For example in the early church they had creeds mm-hmm. okay so they would recite a creed and that creed would go something like i believe in god the father maker of heaven and earth i believe in god the holy jesus the lord the son i believe in in the holy spirit i believe in the church mm-hmm. i believe in and those were doctrines that were established in the bible in the early church mm-hmm. And they would not necessarily have them inscripted in some document Mm. that everybody can have a copy because in the Bible time that was very expensive. Mm -hmm. So the only way they would preserve and create that distinction is by having creeds. Mm. There were particular creeds and the most common one is like the Apostles' Creed, Mm -hmm. simply meaning this is what the Apostles believed and we as a church continue to believe. Mm As arguments arose in the early church later on into the first, second, and third century about a number of doctrines. For example, there was a question about God, there was a question about God the Holy Spirit, about the Lord Jesus, about redemption, and all those questions. The church fathers or early church fathers would gather around and say, what exactly do we say the Bible teaches on this topic? Mm-hmm. And so they would go through the scriptures, argue back and forth, and clearly establish and articulate mm-hmm. what they believed and held it as a statement of the church. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
As time went on, those statements were put together and they were built into what is another instrument, which is now a confession of faith. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there will be a confession of faith. And so you find like right now, uh, there are so many confessions of faith. I will talk within our circles. Mm -hmm. There is what we hold here in our church, the 1689 Confession of Faith. But that wasn't the first confession of faith, okay? There was another one before that, the 1644. Those are dates when they were established. But there wasn't, that wasn't the only one. Our confession of faith traces itself back into the Presbyterian confession of faith or the Westminster confession of faith, okay? And that was the confession of faith from which the 1689 found its resource, But it had certain areas which it refused. Mm. And so those were changed to meet the need and belief of a Reformed Baptist. Mm. Okay? So then later on, there was another confession of faith. For example, it's called the Keck Confession of Faith. That was started by a man called Benjamin Kirk or Benjamin Ketch. It believes depends on where you did your schooling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Benjamin Kirk's confession of faith became very instrumental. It was very much accepted, I'll use a bit of historical language, by the General Baptists and the Particular Baptists. Mm. Okay, The General Baptists, uh, the Particular Baptists would be the historical Baptists behind the Reformed Baptists who hold to the five points of Calvinism. Mm. The General Baptists would be the other Baptists who believe that God will say salvation is for everyone. It's up to you to choose him or refuse him. Okay. But Benjamin Kirk's confession of faith was another instrument that was very essential for doctrine. When the Puritans left England and went into America, there was a newfound land and they established certain confessions of faith. The most common one there is the New Hampshire Confession of Faith where the Puritans who settled there put up a confession of faith and they have it as it is even to this day. And other confession of faith, for example, the Belgic confession of faith, that's what was used way back before the 1689 by the Belgians and the the Huguenots from Holland. So when you look at all those, those are instruments that were set forth to articulate clearly what a group of people believe, this is what the Bible is saying. Mm -hmm. So when you belong to a local church, you somehow ascribe to that doctrinal statement. Mm -hmm. And you are saying, I am part of you because I believe in these things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you can be on TV listening to something or watching something or on radio listening to something, Hmm. and it doesn't augur well with what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. The reference to a doctrinal statement does not suggest that you are going to another document before the Bible. Mm. You are simply standing on the shoulders of men who did the work earlier on for you. Mm. Okay, You don't need to go through the Bible to redo all that exercise that has been done for over a thousand years. Mm -hmm. Somebody has already done it for you. You don't need to, if if you're going to cook nshima, okay, (laughs) this makes sense a lot to ladies. (laughs) You're going to cook nshima every day. You have to go in the field 
plant maize, wait for it to grow, harvest it, dry it, grind it, then cook it. That would be a lot of work. You rely on the people that have already done the groundwork. The farmer mm -hmm. planted, mm -hmm. the grinder ground it, put it in a bag, gave it to a shop, the shop sold it, you bought. And so all you always do is just cook. Mm -hmm. yeah. The same applies with those doctrinal statements. They help us not to redo the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So every time we say, look, we don't believe in this. Why? Because here, A, B, C, D, and the verses are here. Mm -hmm. No, but how come? Mm -hmm. Look, historically, it has already been, the work has already been done for me. Mm -hmm. I just get the cream of it and live with it. And that's why the church is called in the Bible, the buttress of truth. Now they keep that truth as they disseminate it among its people. Mm -hmm. So, to come back to your question, I'm taking a long route <laughs> to get there. Okay, so to come back to your question is the distinction or the distincting remark, uh, uh, features mm -hmm. would be number one, is it in line with the Bible? Mm -hmm. Number two, is it in line with my local church belief? Mm -hmm. Okay, my doctrinal statement. Do we really believe that? Mm -hmm. I belong to a group, and as a group we say this, why is it different from what we are saying? Mm -hmm. But if you're just a mere Christian who is churchless mm -hmm. and your church is on TV mm -hmm. and on radio and on podcast and all other things, then you will have a problem to clearly say this is your doctrine. Mm -hmm. You will uphold the Christian dom doctrine, but it can be wide. And some things are different from one people group to another. And you can borrow here and there and build up something that becomes your own personal confession of faith. Mm -hmm. But it may not be well structured because it may not fit well with this church and the other church and the other church. Mm -hmm. It must fit somewhere after mm. all. No, but I think that um, when, when you were saying what you were saying, it took me back to the scripture where you read sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. He should um, not listen to what other people are saying, but hold them to the sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not a person that is, um, do, you do not belong to a church, you do not have um, a doctrine that is holding you or you subscribe to, it means that everything else that comes on TV, you hear this, where I hear what people are saying, I'll follow that. In the mm -hmm. end, I won't know where I'm standing. As exactly. a Christian, mm -hmm. I'll, 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 I'll move. The other interesting thing that I hit when you read that came to my mind, he used the word uh, itchy ears. It's like we tend to, to listen a lot to mm -hmm. things that are said. So I was thinking to myself, is it possible for us to, to actually just pay attention to things that we think uh, suit me? that mm. will comfort me and not the hard stuff because it's like weighing a person who has who would weigh what i think i'll use this and not use mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. in in terms of doctrine are they is there a situation that a person can fall into just listen to the things that i just want to hear i don't okay. want to hear things to do with hard stuff yeah, well, it, it depends when we say hard stuff because there comes a time as a Christian you will need to feed on hard stuff. <laughs> okay, just like a child in the home. He can't just be on porridge forever. Yeah. 
there is coming a time. He's growing teeth. He's test bugs. He needs to eat the thick stuff. Mm. Yeah, but I think when Paul tells Timothy that there is coming a time when uh, people will have itching ears. It's basically itching ears is a concept of what I want than what God wants. Mm-hmm. So I want, I mean, it's like you you prepare a meal in the home. It's lunchtime. Mm. But the child is crying for sweet, mm. for juice, for cake. You as a parent know exactly what's healthy for the child at mm-hmm. that moment. Yes. And so you will have to choose whether to let the child eat unhealthy foods or as painful as it can be to them, refuse them and feed them the hard stuff or the real food that years from now they will appreciate mm. that they never lived on candy all their life, but they lived on what mommy cooked. Mm. I think the principle and concept is the same. When we come to God's word, uh, God's word is our healthy food. And God has structured it in a way that we should consume it. Mm. But itching ears are actually the idea of wanting what suits me mm-hmm. and pleases me. Mm. So God has said his church must teach the following as a buttress of truth. But then there are Christians that say, no, 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 no. I, I don't want that stuff. You know, it's too much. I will go for what I want. And majority of the time it's just to go for excitement, to go for something that will, will, will trigger emotions and create what may be called spiritual environment when actually it's just an emotional friends mm. that people are experiencing. Um, so the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, if I would draw your attention to it, um, the Bible clearly points out what the early church was doing. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves. Who are they? They? The they are here in verse 41. It says, So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day 3,000 souls to the church. And so those are the ones that it says, and they. Now these are now believers. So what are they doing? They are devoting themselves, it says, to the apostles' doctrine, mm-hmm. or to the apostles' teaching in ESV. So number one, The church has believers. Number two, the believers devote or should devote themselves to the doctrine of the church, which is here being told as the apostles' teaching. Mm -hmm. Number three, it says the fellowship of breaking of bread and prayer, where we get the principle of communion and fellowship after, after, after services. And all came upon the soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So, biblically, that's how we should align ourselves. The fact that we are Christians, we should therefore pursue to understand church doctrine. Mm -hmm. What does my church believe? Okay, And that's why every time we teach that when a person becomes a Christian, they must quickly find a local church. Mm -hmm in the likeness of the early church, and devote themselves to the teaching of that local church. Mm -hmm. So if you go to a church where you cannot see a doctrinal statement, everybody says whatever they want to say, they dream as they want to, 
that is a fearful environment because what's going to happen is you begin to ask and say, okay, so who am I? What do I believe? Hmm. What are my parameters? You know, how far is too far? Okay. okay. And all those lines are drawn for you by the doctrinal statement that is established among believers from God's word. So I think that's what is very helpful. So how, how, how does uh, doctrine affect women? Looking at our podcast is for women. Exactly. How does it affect us as women? Well, again, the Bible is very clear and very categorical when it comes to the issue of women. The Apostle Paul highlighted it well to Titus. Number one, women are not just another sect that stands alone in the church. They are actually part of the church family. And so as the meal is served on the table for everybody to eat, men are eating, women must be eating, children and everybody feeding from the same pot of doctrine. Therefore, doctrine is as important to a woman as it should be and has always been even to a man. Mm. Okay, that's why when we go to Titus, he tells us in Titus saying, teach the men, teach the women, mm. teach the young women, teach the young man. Okay? And he gives him the manner in which he should teach by treating men as your father, women as your mother, ladies or young women as your sisters. Mm. He established a family picture Mm. from which now they are to feed. So here is the important thing. Because by their very nature, or by your very nature, women, that is not, (laughs) uh, what is a common word? Segregation or what's the word now, everybody? The moment you refer to a people because you are, then it says, ah, we are being segregated, you know, whatever the word is. Mm. But that's not the purpose for this podcast. Um, When it comes to women, by your very nature, women are very emotional. Mm. And you handle and reason with truth or teaching with an emotional flair to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, Such that your emotional aspect at times overrides truth and overrides teaching. And the potential is high. And that's why today the deception in the church is heavy on women Mm -hmm. than men. Mm -hmm. Because there are pastors and preachers and teachers who have realized that the idea is just to get a woman emotionally attached to his ministry. Mm -hmm. And he's got a crowd following. They don't care whether they believe what he teaches or not, they just love him. They like him. That's Mm. our man. That's our teacher. We we love his ministry. And as a result, the doctrinal aspect is thrown out of the window. Why? Because the emotional element of the woman seems to drive her stronger Mm. than the logical element. Mm. Whereas we men, the logical element seems to drive us stronger than the emotional element. So for that reason, you find that doctrine, uh, the teaching and the understanding of it trails more on the logical side than the emotional side. So 
It is therefore very important for women to realize that there is need for them to, to begin to respond and reason with God's word from a logical perspective. Regardless of how great and powerful their emotions may be towards religious living. Hmm. Okay, so that's why because of that challenge, well, I may not shouldn't call it a challenge, but because that's your makeup. You know, there's a bias to it, okay? That okay. you have a stronger bias in terms of emotional side than the logical side. That's why women need to spend more time reading and understanding the doctrines of the Christian faith mm. so that when the time comes to be emotionally attached to a ministry, to a church, to a life of the church, it is not being done with zeal without knowledge. Mm. They must be the knowledge that has been, uh, the, 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 the logical side that has been educated with the knowledge of God's truth. Mm. Okay, so I think that makes it very important okay. that women, therefore, if they are to mature, if they are to experience that wonderful work of sanctification, they need to spend time to understand doctrine. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just increase uh, the weight on the idea of sanctification. Mm -hmm. We believe that the Bible teaches that sanctification is the cooperation of the believer and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Your cooperation as a Christian does not trail by using your emotions. No matter how emotionally you can be, that is not what cooperates with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. What cooperates with the Holy Spirit is your logical understanding and grasping of God's truth and putting it into practice. So what does that mean and how does that look like? You can have one believer who goes to an ordinary church that doesn't seem to be extraordinary in its um, setting up a spiritual atmosphere. Okay, And all this person does is sit under, listen to the teaching of God's word, take notes, revisit them, learn them all over again, and put them both in their heart and mind. And then also you have another brother or sister who also now goes to a church where there is a well-articulated spiritual atmosphere. There is all the energy that pumps the emotion. Mm. Now, in our human thinking, we think that person is being more sanctified than the person who spends time to read through the Bible and study it. Well, the truth is, actually, it is that other person who is being more sanctified than the other. Mm -hmm. Because the knowledge of God makes its way to the heart through a logical understanding of it. It is not through an emotional hype. Okay, so that is very important. So we are in a time, you know, in fact, I love this topic because that's what I was listening to just a couple of days or hours and more ago, trying to understand why is emotionalism a big thing in the church today? Mm -hmm. And I went to look at it from the historical context. Did you know that what we experienced now before the 1700 was not there? Mm -hmm. A church was just an ordinary church. It was people like Charles Finney in the 17, 1800 
who were behind a lot of, somewhere truly a great awakening, somewhere manufactured emotional great awakenings, mm. that they brought about the heavy infusion of the emotional emphasis mm. in the church than the mere doctrinal emphasis. Mm. And so with the passage of time, the doctrinal emphasis has somehow been diluted and the emotional emphasis has risen mm. to the top. And so today, people think by belonging to a very emotional, well-charged church, then I am receiving the, 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 the sanctification. Mm. The truth is, when you are sitting under the teaching of doctrinal statement and grasping them slowly, gently, over time, you are actually receiving the needed sanctification. So that would be very important, therefore, that women need that because the emotional appeal is high and triggers just at the flick of fingers. But the logical aspect of doctrine seems to take a lot of time. So women need to slow down on the emotional side and say, what does the truth say? As thick and tough as it is to swallow, let me teach my gut to eventually swallow it. And that would be helpful to both the woman and the church she belongs to. How do I get what I need? Okay. Doctrine is important. How do mm-hmm. I get yeah. it? Okay. Number one, obviously, you're a believer. Mm-hmm. Number two is own a Bible. Okay. Number three, read it um, systematically, meaning have a system. to we Don't read the Bible haphazard. Just wake up in the morning and say, the Spirit of God leads me to where and you flip it and the Bible opens in Amos chapter something and say, okay, today I'm, I'm doing I'm Amos. Amos. Yeah. Well, God can still speak to you in that light. Nonetheless, read it systematically. If you're reading through a book, read that book and spend your time reading that book. Uh, if you're going to read it topically, which is more of uh, the doctrines that we're talking about. You're going to go through the Bible to pick areas and verses that talk about that aspect. Mm. If you're going to read thematically, which is similar to topically, is you're going to pick particular themes. For example, I want to read on love. Mm. I want to read on truth. I want to read on this. So on a Bible. Uh, number three, on a study Bible. The kind of Bible you have should be a study Bible. Today, we are a blessed generation. We have study Bibles that are all over the place, being sold almost everywhere. We have study Bibles on the phone and computer. There are all these applications of study Bibles. The most common that personally I use in terms of study Bible, on my phone, there is an ESV study Bible. There is the GTY or John MacArthur uh, Grace to You Study Bible, which is a common one. Then they, there is Logos. That's the one for me I use for my many studies, both for my academic studies and teaching and preaching of the church. I use Logos.com. Mm. A very, it's a free app. You can get it on your phone, on your computer, then you can be buying your materials. But the basic ones that anybody should have, number one, is a Bible. Mm. Number two, a study Bible. The goodness about a study Bible, it has help that tries to explain the passage of scriptures that you are reading. Mm. At the back of it, they give you extra materials that you can read. Mm. 
at the beginning of a book it gives you the context and the information you need mm -hmm. before you get into that book number three or four i've lost my count <laughs> know what your church believes in have interest in the instruments that your church has and those instruments would be like the confession of faith go to your leaders and say may i have a copy of our confession of faith read through it study through it yourself uh, other instruments would be like the, the 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 creeds if your church has creeds ask for them read and know them another instrument that i have not talked about but is important is a catechism a catechism is just a document that takes the same uh, doctrines and puts them in question and answer form mm -hmm. where there is this question why do i exist and the catechism tries to put an answer there mm -hmm. to tell you why you exist okay and all those question and answers are there to help you appreciate and understand doctrine so those would be the basic resource four or five or six always be under the biblical teaching of god's word mm. i mean if you belong to a church that just preaches anything anyhow you probably may be in the wrong place but ensure that you are in a church where if it's sunday morning preaching or evening it is a clear pattern that you can follow and grow are they teaching what we call expository teaching through a book in the bible mm. such that after one year or two years you can say I listen to the preaching of God's word in this whole book and I understand what it says and teaches. That will be very important uh, to you to eventually know the doctrines and make them personal and grow as a Christian as God would have you grow as a Christian. What about reading uh, books, spiritual books? Yeah, in fact, that's that's good. I should have put that number seven <laughs> or number six. Yeah, reading of Christian writings is equally very good. The unfortunate part that the majority of us like reading um, biographic biographical books. Mm. It's good because you learn to see what God has done in history in somebody's life. Mm. That's good to read, but don't don't just read biographical books read even spiritual enriching books uh christian living books mm. books that are targeted to teach you on a particular topic of life a particular doctrine read also theological books that are going to spend time to teach you who god is who christ is who the holy spirit is who the church is what is salvation what is man who is a sinner how do you get your redemption who are angels and all those topics read theological books mm. i know women don't like those they <laughs> like biographies and uh, um, maybe christian living books it's good but also increase your weight by reading theological books as well mm. yeah. yeah now thank you very much pastor i think uh, the topic we can go on and on and on mm. because there's so many questions that uh, I would like to ask and want to know more but I, we want to thank you for spending this time with us explaining to us i know it's just a tip that you've just done mm -hmm. but uh, we pray that the listeners out there you've been, you enjoyed listening to to this topic and that will end please subscribe and if you want to hear more ask questions and we'll try and get back to you what do you say 
I just want to equally thank Pastor for, for joining us. It has been such an insightful session. We've gone into history, into the current <laughs> affairs regarding the Bible and you know the word. It has been it's been it's been incredible. I just want to thank you for, for spending time to to teach us, to remind us of um of what doctrine is and the importance of doctrine. And I know uh the listeners have been blessed just as much as we have. So we thank you for joining us, Pastor. Thank you very much. It has been a great blessing and I enjoyed it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this topic on doctrine. I hope you have enjoyed and have been empowered just as much as we have. Um, it's been a very good session. And don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to um, put your comments and your questions if you have any. And we look forward to our next topic, which will be myths and fallacies and how women fall prey to these myths and fallacies. Yeah. Yes, this is a very interesting topic. I hope you take time to listen to myths and fallacies. Please join us next time. Subscribe. Thank you very much.